0: Loosely adapted from Jane Austen's Emma.
1: It totally took place in the <laughs> 90s, though. <laughs> Find all of these books and more adaptations on our originals page at thenextreel.com/slash originals.
0: Start your next read from the movies we've covered. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals today. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to the next reel When the movie ends Our conversation begins Queen of Cotway is over You're my number one spice
2: You can say anything you wanna say Chase helps us solve problems Hit but I'm gonna love you anyway He teaches us to make a plan If you didn't have a wall to hide behind
0: Use your minds But
2: you fall to pieces when your eyes met
0: And you will all find safety Why are you letting her win? I'm not letting her. You can see it moves ahead.
2: Checkmate. 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 She won. You could be the
0: best in all of Uganda.
1: Good. How can I become a champion?
0: Sometimes the place you are used to is not the place you belong. You belong where you believe you belong. Where is that for you? So we were talking about Queen Katwe, uh, because chess is sport, Andy. Chess is
1: sport. Did it? And you know what? You look everywhere. And it all says it's a biographical sports drama film. Yes. So we're not the only ones who are putting it into no. this category. <laughs> we are not. It is a mental sport. Where, where do you stand with, with chess, Pete? Uh, usually to the side. <laughs> to let, let the big boys um why, why,
0: why pray t- pray tell why do you ask i am i know enough chess to have taught my kids to play chess i think i there was a time where i was uh, i was actually playing a lot of chess um and just you know i i lived with a guy who was a big chess fiend and so we played a lot of chess and i learned a lot of chess and then he got so much better than me that it became no fun anymore to play chess and so i i stopped because I guess I guess I wasn't meant for it. If I didn't have the intestinal fortitude to keep playing when I was bested,
1: he fully he fully Fiona'd you. He fully I was fully feed. What <laughs> about you?
0: You're are you are you a chess guy?
1: You know, I I uh, my dad taught me chess when I was a kid, and I loved playing it. Um, but it was a very casual chess love that I had. Um, Mm -hmm. To the point, though, where I always kind of liked, you know, dabbling in it on and off. And, I, you know, I I would play as I got older, I, you know, I would get um, some different chess computer programs that would kind of help you learn better and stuff like that. And so I, but then I'd drop out of it and come back and, you know, and I would, I taught my kids, but then we all stopped. But after I watched this movie, I'm like, I want to, i getting back into it. I want a chessboard again. I want to start playing. So, yeah. It's it's a really fun game and I, you know, it's one of those things that to really do well at it, you you need to constantly be doing it like daily and just, you know, work at it. But but it is a lot of fun and I I enjoy the strategy of it. I don't know if I ever was <laughs> even close to a point i mean you know we have uh our fantastic fiona here who uh could see eight moves ahead and i'm like well eh, you know i'm lucky if i can get to maybe two but
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe two are you kidding i barely see what i'm going to do immediately <laughs> next like barely <laughs> I could not have uh, I don't think I could have bested Fiona on her first few games like she just really she seems to have quite a, a mind for it. She definitely uh, picked it up, yeah. Yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was great. I made sure to stop playing my son um, when I was still beating him regularly,
1: <laughs> and, and thinks, I'm point. sure
0: what he thinks is that I was, you know, I was just letting him win because I'm dad. I was absolutely not. He then joined a chess club at school, and that's when I was like, "Hey, you go, boy. Uh, let's. i I. I love watching you play other people. <laughs> and I don't think we ever. I don't think we ever played again.
1: Uh, so. <laughs> Well, I, what I love about it is it is a very, a very much a mental sport, and here we see, you know, um, uh, this uh, very interesting uh, this this guy who's running kind of a, a church. Uh, he's on a, a missionary, and it's kind of like a church camp, and he's coaches the kids soccer and stuff, but also chess. And it's, it's Robert Katende played played by uh, David Ayelowo, and yeah, it's it's very much a way to kind of get kids. You know, out of the slums, off the streets, and doing something where they could potentially uh, grow mentally, and so yeah, I think it definitely fits into our series here, and it's a, I think it's a good finale to it, and it's nice to see, you know, from the start of Mira Nair's career when we looked at it in our last series, the coming of age debuts to this one, how in in a way there's like an element of you can almost see from that film to this film uh, an interesting trajectory of her career.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was delightful. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you about how this ended up being a Disney film um, and uh, then play chess.
1: It is Indeed, indeed. Well, this film was rated PG when it was released for thematic elements, an accident scene and some suggestive material. want to watch this movie and help us out well you can if you see the apple or amazon link to the movie in the show notes just click on it it will take you right to their site and you can rent or buy the movie when you do this we get a little piece in return
0: uh and yeah you should go to the merch store what's it going to be for queen of cotway man we've got a lot of designs to get up there we're a little behind but i think um mm, is it i mean is it a chess piece with your face on it
1: I don't know why my face would be on it.
0: <laughs> I'm not putting my face on it. You know what we have? We have that fantastic design of the uh, the Tommy Oscar. We should put Tom's face on it. It's a chess piece with Tom's head on it. That's it. There you go. Perfect. We just uh, we need to are design a
1: chess board where all the pieces are Oscars in some source, sort of an
0: Okay. All right. All right. Just big Oscar, little Oscar, Oscar with a hat. Oscar the Grouch is the real <laughs> Oscar the Grouch. Well played. Well played. Check it out at true story.fm slash merch. You can get shirts, stickers, mugs, masks, pillows, and more with anything that we are coming up with. Get it while you can. I happen to be wearing my uh you know, hit hit uh t shirt with only me. We sense what's heals right now. I'm wearing it. You, you can get that too if you want.
1: In other news, I keep seeing (laughs) Pac Tech stickers getting sold, so that's great. Pac
0: Tech stickers. And and once again, I think last week, uh, Spicoli Surf School and Rusty's World Tour uh, were still uh, European. European. (laughs) Yeah, European Tour, Stupid hits on our store. I'm glad you're enjoying them.
1: I can't, it's so weird. (laughs) Uh, we are featuring audio reviews from you, our dear listeners. We'd like to be featuring audio rev- reviews from you. Uh, we aren't getting many, but uh, we would love to have them. So just send us your audio review to reviewsattruestory.fm as soon as you watch the movie, and you just may end up getting your voice on the show. You got to get them in quick, though. We do record about two weeks in advance. So record it, send it to us at reviewsattruestory.fm, and we'll take it from there.
0: And you can find out what we're talking about two weeks in advance if you head over to our Letterboxed HQ page. That is letterbox.com slash the next reel. And it is our favorite social network for movie lovers. Uh, it is a, a great place where you can keep up with movies. You can uh, set it up so you can figure out what movies are available on what services that you are, are, are streaming. It is just a, a really great place to share reviews, comment on other people's reviews, and just get a real sense of uh, how movies are impacting our lives. And if you fall in love with it and you want to get rid of ads, you can upgrade to a pro or patron membership using the discount code Next Real. And that will take twenty percent off. It just cleaves twenty percent off right off the top, and this does work for renewals as well. Oh, you use the word cleave? Cleave? Yeah, I uh, knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna think about that's
1: that. That's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. yeah. <laughs> well, just like uh, our Letterboxed memberships, uh, we have our own memberships, and we would love it if you would consider supporting us. It's through the memberful, memberful platform, which is part of Patreon. You just go right to our site, and you can sign up to become a member at either a month-to-month plan or the annual rate. And you get all sorts of things. You get um, all your episodes get uh, in your in your podcatcher a week early. You also get all sorts of bonus episodes. We do a monthly member bonus episode. I believe for the month of May, it's going to be the Blues Brothers filling in a gap from our great car chases. Great car chases. Um, We also do a flick chart re-ranking episode, and uh, we do a post-series episode called The Retake, where we look at all the films, kind of an overarching view of all the films in that particular series, which will be coming out right after this episode drops for members. Uh, It's called Our Retake, and uh, that should be a fun one. So another thing that members get, just go to truestory.fm slash TNR membership, and you can learn about those tiers. The most it'll cost you is $5 per month or $55 per year.
2: Hi, this is Brian Blake from Rockville, Maryland. I dug uh, Queen of Cothway, um a pretty good bit visually. Narratively, it's a traditional kind of sports drama based on a true story. If you've seen a few of those movies, you'll probably recognize a lot of the beats that go on through it. But at the same time, it does avoid some of the pitfalls of having too much drama in some of those aspects or in a story that centers on minority characters to bring in uh, unnecessary white characters and then try to present the story through those characters eyes um i'm not sure if any white characters have any dialogue in this movie so it has that strength of allowing the people with this story to take center stage and for the tensions uh, between those people to really come to the surface so for instance there's a lot of class tension and tension between educated and uneducated um, men and women that you wouldn't see as well observed in many other versions of uh, this kind of movie. And then visually, kind of like I was saying, I'm not sure exactly how complex a lot of the choices are, but they're all clear and they all work very well. So some of the chess matches, there's a lot of energy to them and the way that the lighting's used in the matches works pretty well at the end, especially with kind of some of the use of shadows at the start and then gradually removing more of the shadows so the more the light shines onto the board as it kind of reflects what's going on in the story and it just has you rooting along with it. It's what's on the box in terms of being a feel-good family movie and it does what it sets out to do pretty well. So I would say 3.5 out of 5 stars. And I would definitely recommend this to anyone, uh, any young kids or just looking for something easy on a family movie night. All
0: right, Andy, it's Chess is Sport. Maybe that's all that needs to be on the shirt. It's just chess is sport.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Queen of Cockway, uh, 2016 film. Had you seen it going into it?
1: I hadn't. Um, I I was interested when it came out. Uh, As somebody who has always enjoyed chess, I thought it looked like a really interesting story. And then I just missed it. (laughs) It's just one of those (laughs) things that came and went. Just came and went.
0: I did not know that it existed. It did not cross my stream at all. And, oh, really? Uh, I, yeah, I feel like I, it
1: was a trailer in Sat Matt.
0: It might have been, and then I forgot about it immediately. Is that weird?
1: <laughs> that is weird.
0: Uh, it, it is a fascinating thing because I... Um, man, I, this was such an interesting movie, mostly because I'm a sucker for... Um, I'm certainly a sucker for chess movies, and I was a huge uh, fan of queen's gambit like i i feel like i was missing a new chess movie to me
1: did you see the one that toby uh, mcguire was in yeah uh pawn sacrifice pawn sacrifice that's what it was called. yeah
0: yeah right it was the the uh, uh bobby fisher um story uh it was a bobby Fischer story and he is so good like he's really good and so is um my goodness, uh,
1: Lee Schreiber, uh, Peter Liev Schreiber
0: is oh
1: god, Michael so Stuhlbarg.
0: good. Michael it's just really, really good, and and I I had a great time with it. I I think it doesn't get enough uh, enough. Well, we're not even here to talk about that. The point is, I love chess movies, and. I love the fact that people can think like this and the fact that and and this movie has that sort of inspirational element where it's like, oh, this not only do people think like this, this little girl has sort of a preternatural ability to think like this before she even knows she thinks like this and and so you add that to the we're going to pluck greatness out of poverty angle that just feels good uh we're going to change the the trajectory of this family that just feels good great performances from Oyelowo and Lupita Nyong'o and uh Medina uh Nalwanga um and all of the kids like i just had a really great time with this movie it it was Uh, It's weirdly predictable because it has that sort of um, arc, the the sports movie arc. um, And, you know, I I didn't feel like I was getting that many surprises. I was waiting for all the twists and the overcoming of hardships. uh, And yet I I still had a really good time with the movie writ large. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I want to follow up with you on predictability in, in a moment because I have a specific question for you. But Sure. It does feel like a very safe, very typical biopic. It, it just does exactly what it, it sets out to do. Tell the story of Fiona and, uh, her journey from just living uh, in the slums in, in, you know, Katwe is the, I believe the largest of eight slums in Kampala, which is the capital of Uganda. And, uh, that's where she, uh, grows up and she's basically on the path to be, kind of living life like her mother or perhaps her sister, who we see on and off through the story, her sister named Knight, who ends up uh, falling for a guy uh, and um, on again, off again sort of relationship, gets pregnant from him and and he bails. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a path that is kind of very much kind of like what we saw in going back again to Mira Nair's first film, Salam Bombay, Mm -hmm. this is the society that they're in and they're just kind of playing their roles and escape is not uh, common, you know? Right. And so having this opportunity and watching this girl kind of just click, like she sees what they're doing and and it just starts clicking with her. And it was, uh, you know, I loved watching Medina, Medina Nalwanga in the film playing Fiona, like just seeing her the way that she would kind of start understanding stuff and 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 her character journey i i really enjoyed like she was just a fantastic find to play the the lead character in the film i just i really loved her and uh and so it was it was a very straightforward biopic but it's full of heart it's full of just like this beautiful journey that she goes on and the fact that also uh, mira nair who lives in uganda wanted to make sure that they filmed everything there to the point where the the church where Uh, Katende actually taught the kids how to play chess was still there. And so they filmed in the actual church. Like it was really in the actual place where all of this stuff happened. Uh, It made for something that felt very authentic. And so I just enjoyed the journey with all of these characters and, uh, and had a really good time.
0: I want to I want to jump to the end before we come back to your question about predictability. And that is just a comment on the closing credits, which I thought were so amazing, amazing. The setup is we're standing in this in this original room and of the church have of the church and they have I think it was actually was the actor first. So the the actor is standing in this room and the, the person that the actor was playing walks in and they have just a silent exchange as the. As you know, credits are are uh, title cards are are popping on screen for the principal characters. It's talking about that here are the people who were um, here's here's what happened to that person after the the narrative uh, part of the film. And watching them, first of all, seeing how well they were cast in many cases. And did you note the height difference on the many of the characters, like the boys in particular? It was stunning stunning height differences in in some of these uh uh, casting and uh, obviously you know they were casting from things that happened some years ago so kids grow uh but i i just thought it was really uh really really fun um and heartwarming and everything
1: brian was a giant (laughs) yeah he was a a giant uh what a great way to do credits though Yeah. Oh, no, it was just fantastic. I was thrilled to see uh, that Nair did it that way. So Yeah. All right. So I want to discuss because this is something that the story chooses to do in its in the way that it's structured is that we actually start in 2011 when she's going to this uh, this big tournament and we see the footage of her kind of we it starts on her feet we see her taking her sandals off and kind of you know doing fists with her toes kind of that whole thing and getting herself ready and she goes out and and as the setup to the story is she's about to start this big tournament we don't know which one it is at that is that particular moment but we see that she's getting ready to play some big tournament and then it jumps back to 2007 mhm And that's when we're back with her when she's a little younger, uh, you know, only four years. But um, still, she's living. This is when she's still just in in uh, Cotway and just hasn't started this journey with chess yet. Do we need that intro? Like, does that give us anything? I mean, we know it's based on a true story. We know where it's going to go. So it's not really a surprise. But I was just like, huh, I wonder why they chose to start there instead of just starting with her in 2007. Any thoughts?
0: I absolutely, I don't think we need it. And I think it's, it's becoming increasingly rare to find contemporary films that use this sort of flashback model in a way that, that I think actually works and doesn't take away from the ultimate surprise. Like we know how the story is going to go. Just, just start in the beginning. In the beginning, there was a young girl from a village and let 's take it from there i didn't i didn't need the flashback at all I didn 't need the flashback at all i don't think that's the only challenge with making a movie like this, right which is the the challenge of telling a uh, plucked from obscurity sports story like we kind of know how it's going to go um, and so you know so much of this movie uh, my enjoyment of the movie certainly hinges on the charisma of the principal. Performers doing this thing that I already pretty much understand, but no, I, I don't think we needed to play with <laughs> play with time at all.
1: Yeah, I'm just not. Uh, I just you know struggle with why that ends up being a a factor, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, either way, the story is still fairly predictable. We know what's going to happen. It's based on a true story. We know we're following the story of a young girl from the slums of Uganda who ends up becoming a a chess master. So obviously, we're going to experience that journey with her. It's, you know, fairly standard biopic territory. So I just I, I feel like just start the story when they're young and just move forward with it, you know? Mm hmm. So
0: there were some some surprises. So, so so to that point, like the where it where it really matters, uh, where the surprises come is how they execute each of the the major beats, the major elements to get us to the next thing. And and I think the big third act obstacle is her trying to figure out how to she is confronted with the the significant injury of her uh, brother. Right. Where he is. And, and that. Was a a massive surprise. He's called across the street from someone else. He turns around, he crosses the street, and he's hit by uh, by a passing uh, motorcyclist, mo- moped mopedist. What,
1: what, what do they call them? Like Bobos or something? I can't remember what they called them. I thought uh, it was a great little name. <laughs> like a, yeah,
0: I don't. You know. I don't remember. I it, so yeah. He's hit by a Bobo. <laughs> we <We'll> go going. <laughs> We'll go with, with Bobo, and we are introduced to the some of the challenges of living in this village. He goes to the doctor; they can't afford the payment. But it, just in order to get to that, we have to get to the through the actual stitching up sequence, which is this mom making this choice to stitch up her son, knowing that there is no anesthesia, like there's no way to numb the pain, and so we have to sit through her praying. Uh, while her son is screaming, mm. um, you know, as they stitch up his hip. And that, that is one of those elements that, that feels kind of outside of the scope of what Disney usually does. And uh, I, I thought it was a really gratifying bit of grotesquerie that, that added to the, the social and cultural landscape of this village and what, indeed, a taste of what they're trying to overcome with this story, with making her a successful chess champion, with lifting themselves out of poverty. How'd that hit you?
1: That, uh, yeah, and that's where the story succeeds. And that's where it's great having Mira Nair at the helm. Because, uh, because just, again, going back to Salam Bombay, she's explored films in this world. And she chose to film in katwe in this slum where we're looking at kind of like this authentic life that people have where when the waters when the floods come i mean it it just rips through town like it really kind of uh, gets you know everything soaked and so we're we're experiencing this real life in this slum where yeah they don't have anesthesia and you have to make you know, make do with what you have in fact not only that but when you get when her brother gets hit by this passing uh, vehicle, Bobo. the Bobo, um, the guy just drives off. Nobody will stop. She has to pay all of the money that they have to another guy on a motorbike to drive, uh, her with her injured brother and stop and get her mom, uh, to the hospital because like, there are no ambulances that come here. Like nobody, w- nobody cares. It's just, that's the way that this life is. And it's, uh, it really kind of hits home that this is fairly authentic with, the struggles that these people are going through, and we're not seeing the as dark a story with a lot of the lives, like with the the drugs and everything that we have in Salon Bombay. But still, Knight is perhaps getting led into prostitution by Theo. We're not exactly sure if it's it's hinted at that it might be prostitution. Um We're also like, well, it may be just. It's maybe it's just Theo we're not exactly sure, but still there's a hint of something else there and and that's where it's like it's playing it a little safer because of disney's hands yeah oh uh, we we gotta we gotta you know balance how we're exploring all this while still showing some of the realities here and and so i'm I'm thrilled that we were able to see some of the realities, like the flooding of the church when night leaves and and the little brother almost gets washed away. Uh, you know, there were a lot of elements and and one of them was all of the stuff that went on with the hospital. And that really does set a a good stage for the struggles that Fiona has to go through. And I really enjoyed her character arc because there were a few interesting parts of her arc. And this is one of them where she feels she's like the chess piece. And she she's as she's talking to Katende. She's just like, I don't like, you know, what what move am I going to make? Like, everything is predecided. like i'm gonna lose no matter what because you know i we uh, because of this life that we live basically is what she's saying and it's it's very frustrating and and difficult for her yeah
0: it, it really is i you know stepping back just a, a bit to tonight that you know you said that it, it's playing it safer and i i do think i i mean i think that's one way to put it. it it felt a bit shoehorned uh, for, for my taste. Like it, it just felt like we we need to have, uh, we're, we're going to inject adversity and it's going to be a sister in trouble. And I felt like that there is room for, certainly for a story like that. Um, I don't know if it was in this movie. I felt like if you're going to handle that sort of story with such a wink and a nod, maybe you don't need it at all. Um, it, it felt like a distraction from some of the real stuff that, you know, she was going through that. I really wanted to see, and every time we turned to night, it was like you know she's got a different hair color, and she's you know I I just didn't I, I didn't connect with it. And I do think at the end, like they wanted there to be this moment where night comes out of the house that that she's uh, that um, Fiona has has managed to secure for the family, and she's holding this baby. Now she's given birth to the baby, and she's in the house. Was that? Was that her? Really?
1: Yeah.
0: Everything happened so fast.
1: Well, you know, time passes. The book has to get written for them to get the money to do all of this. So,
0: Yeah, right. So, yeah, so that just felt like a dis- distraction to me. And it, it was it was uh, like it didn't resolve in a way that I felt like, oh, my goodness, there's a moment that that satisfies her.
1: I think it all um, is very much an integral part of the story. And I actually liked the way it worked because Night is, as Fiona points out at one point in the film, That's her next step. Right. As Fiona says, pretty soon, boys are going to be coming for me just like they are with her. And that's that's her future. And, you know, she's she doesn't really have many other options if she doesn't get out. It's like, well, my next step is wait for a man to come along and go along with him and hope that that he's a good one. And it's, it's, I I felt like that was the, you know, kind of a counterpoint character that we needed to see as to where she could go. And I did think it was interesting when we, at the end credits, when we have the Where Are They Now, that Knight now had five children. I was like, Yes, right. Holy cow. (laughs) So. Um, so, yeah, I just I felt like it was a very interesting counterpoint. And so to that end, I, I enjoyed it because it also was a good reflection for mom as far as like, how do I deal with these different children that I have and I want to take care of night. But at the same time, she almost, you know, drowned, ended up getting her little brother Benjamin drowned because she's so irresponsible.
0: Yeah, right right and and you're right. To that point like that was that was a useful addition uh to the stories have watching her responsibility but I would say that you know counter to that like the the pieces I was most interested in could have could have spent more time made me deeply uncomfortable when Fiona goes to her dark side right when she becomes entitled and yes you know what happens when you get a taste of uh, of developed community when she goes to this fancy school and they have to figure out how to eat at a communal table and how to like all the things, you know, they they end up sleeping on the floor when when there are beds that just need to be made because, you know, that's not their custom. And then she comes home and she refuses to, you know, do the things that mom really needs her to do. And uh, I thought that was that was a, a part of the film that I could have used more of, the dark side of Fiona and the exploration of how cultures collide. And so I guess part of what I'm saying is some of the stuff with Night, because I didn't feel as connected to it, all I could think about was let's go back and really explore more of the challenges that Fiona is having in the community as a star. And uh, that was just, a, you know, it, it's, it's just what I was thinking about at the time.
1: I, I enjoyed all that bit too. Like that was pretty interesting to see that shift in her mentally, where she wanted to win. She wanted to be that fourteen-year-old champion in Russia, you know, taking down at the at the uh, chess Olympiad and all that sort of stuff. And that drive that she had that that really kind of pushed her into this this place where she really became of two worlds. And that's I felt like what it did best was it gave an opportunity for Harriet and Katende to have that confrontation, where Harriet's like, you know, you have. brought... brought... Brought this to her where she is she's like from neither place now she is split and and you have to fix this because she doesn't she she won't do what she needs to do at home, but she can't get there because she's still here. It was a very interesting view on that side of the world. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know if I needed more of it. I feel like I had what I needed from it uh, in the film. It would have been interesting if it went, uh, if it went darker and, you know, to that. And I think that just falls into biopic territory. Like we're telling the story of these characters. They're here. They're alive. It's only happened a few years ago. We're not going to be fictionalizing it and social networking it to kind of create this whole new dramatic arc for these characters um so I, I felt like they probably played it fairly close to home and and I it probably wasn't as dramatic as would make for a, a more compelling film. I think we're getting kind of probably what we got. And you know, it works. I mean, you're yeah, to your point, I think it would be interesting if it if it did kind of go into that a little bit more. But for the story we're telling, I think that you know we're we're getting about what we're gonna get.
0: We should say the uh Tim Cruthers is the uh author of the book. Uh, and, I think and a, he's the and book the and the article. ESPN, yeah, right, right, yeah, the ESPN article. Um, and the when did the book come out? Um, that was the article two, was
1: 2012. Um, and uh, Disney optioned it after the article. Uh, I don't know. Right. I don't know when the book came out. October ninth, 2012. Um, okay, so and right so, after the yeah.
0: like to your point, like all of this has happened very soon. Like the movie, the fact that the movie came out in. 2016, 2016 yeah. on a book that was written about a story that happened in the late, you know, 2010s, 2011. Like that, it's it's very compressed. So I can't think of off the top of my head any other biopics that have such a short lead time from when the events actually occurred to the
1: release of the biopic. Can you? You know, Sully comes to mind. That was also 2016. Oh God, you're right. You're that, right. Um, when was that incident? Um, t- 2009. So it was still, you know, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, so you know, stuff like that. Um, I feel like I feel like if anybody has done stuff like that, Clint Eastwood's what, who's coming to mind because there's also the um, oh the one he did with the uh, Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell is right. also a fairly recent one. Yep and what was the one that he did that was the train one
0: yeah with the soldiers on the train in paris
1: yeah right right so i feel like he remembers so the 1517 to paris that's what it is that was a 2018 film that happened in 2015 so
0: oh that's even shorter so my point from just a second ago is completely bogus like there are it turns out several of movies in a very short lead time and i'm wrong but i wonder if if that is if they're getting shorter like just because we're better at, at making movies fast that tell these stories that we want to capitalize on on the story i don't know but it just felt really fast and and um and i noticed it right i just i noticed it
1: well i i think that people love um you know Good stories. Well, oh, and another one like the, um, the, the bombing of the uh, Boston Marathon that I think was okay. early. All right,
0: all right. Stop coming up with the. Anyway, you're just making me look <laughs> bad. Man. You're done. You're done with this part of the show.
1: <laughs> so, yes. But biopics, uh, I, I think that we see in the world of biopics, there are a few different ways to make them. One, when people are involved like this, like Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, any of these big music ones where the musicians are involved, too. You want to explore the darker side, while also maintaining that level of honoring that person still, right? Or or people, and 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 so you're not jumping into it quite so much as something like The Social Network. Again, a fairly recent story. There's another one where. <laughs> Man. where it was written, not (laughs) with the hands of Zuckerberg, uh, a little more, uh, I don't want to say antagonistic, but outside the world of that story. And so when Sorkin came along to uh, turn it into a script, he felt a little more free and loose to kind of adapt it the way that he felt would make for a more compelling film, hence kind of the um, that the the darker journey that we have Zuckerberg going on uh, over the course of the film, as far as like that that one woman he just can't let go, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, this definitely plays into the safer hands of a biopic, and it's Disney, and uh, you know, and and ESPN, which is all about sports and 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 positive, exciting sports stories, right? I mean, that's what ESPN is all about, which is owned by Disney, and so that's what they want to do here. I don't fault them because the fact that they're telling a story of this girl from the this slum in in uganda and how she kind of rose to be this chess master i find it a really compelling story so to that end it's a biopic that works i'm interested in it because it has heart because it's about characters that i really get interested in and i'm interested in exploring this world
0: well, I absolutely agree on that point. And it's a delightful film to watch with the with the family. I mean, it's a family movie. It, there is. Uh, but there are things that are a, a bit shocking and scary. But, it, you know, by uh nature, we understand kind of where the story is going. And it is a satisfying conclusion when she comes around and and, um you know, wins for the community. Right. That's just it. it is what it is. And I enjoyed these people so much watching them. Um Talking a little bit about the cast, you know, I, I I just because I have not in order of importance, but just because I have the tab open, David Oyelowo is uh, fantastic uh, as the I guess newly married. He's trying to find his way in the world. He ends up teaching this chess chess club, and that becomes the most important thing in his life. Doing it through the through the um, the the church, and and it is. I think he's just so supremely talented. If you want to watch something really, really great, watch this and then go watch The Girl Before, because you will see some extraordinary range to this guy. Uh, He is he's just fantastic. And uh, I I was uh, pleasantly surprised to find him in this movie, not knowing, of course, that the movie existed. (laughs) um he is I, I was reading his his bio on wikipedia he's uh, and and i just love this this line so he is an omoba a prince of the kingdom of awe as a part of the nigerian chieftaincy sy- system he's is because his grandfather was uh a king of a part of the oyo state called awe in nigeria And this is what he says. It sounds way more impressive than it actually is. There are so many royal families in Africa. Royal families are a dime a dozen in Nigeria. What we think of as royalty in the UK is very different to royalty in Nigeria. If you were to throw a stone there, you'd hit about 30 princes. So it's more like being a prince of Islington. It's useful for getting dates, but probably not much else. So I just think he's so charming, but I, I like him a lot. He should be a prince of something. He's a prince of my heart. He is a prince of my heart for sure. Yeah. What'd you think of David?
1: I have always enjoyed him. I'm trying to think where I first uh, saw him. I mean, it was probably like, you know, uh, I mean, I've been seeing him since the uh, the aughts in stuff like A Sound of Thunder and Mm -hmm. The Best Man and Derailed and The Last King of Scotland. But um, it was probably like 2011 with the help... Rise of the Planet of the Apes, um, yep. and then Lincoln the next year, Jack Reacher, where he started popping up in more things and started paying more attention to him. And uh, just, I mean, I and then, of course, Selma. I mean, that was uh, the big uh, turning point right. for him, I think, where he kind of got on everybody's radar because here he is playing this very big character, Martin Luther King uh, Jr., and uh, did a great job in the role. I, I didn't love the film, but he, I loved him as MLK. Mm-hmm. And he's just – he certainly has continued p- picking really interesting projects. Like, I enjoy the sorts of things that he's doing and and what he pops up in. And so uh, he's very compelling. And he does just a great job here. And he said it was, um, you know, a little, like uh, – you know he his background is nigerian and so learning more of the ugandan stuff was a little a uh, little trick for him but he just i mean he, the the great thing about filming there is all of the real people were there like he said every day he had robert katende on set with him <laughs> like yeah. always there and was able to kind of really kind of watch what he was doing and pattern his movements and the way that he spoke and everything and and I, I felt he really brought it to life and, and, um, that moment that he has, it was so obvious what was going to happen but when he tells his wife that he turned that job down and she's just like i'm so disappointed in you and i'm like oh here she is it's, yeah. it's the fake angry scene you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, i'm so angry at you for thinking that i would have thought anything th- that this was the right <laughs> life for you whatever i was like yeah, here it is here it is but um yeah. you know but they they do it well and that's you know sometimes it's like it's it it's hitting all of the all of the the same notes that you're expecting, but it's it's playing it well, and so you know yeah. they do a good job playing that song.
0: Yeah, it, you know, I I feel like I, I really walk that line between you know predictability being a, a positive or a negative, right? And and in this case, I think there is there are some really predictable tones to this film, and yet it is because of the execution that it makes it just feel good, and and I think he's that you just nailed it that scene is uh, you know is is absolutely the example of where the you know one of many examples of where this movie delivers a predictable thing but it feels good because i like those people so yes, much
1: exactly so, exactly
0: uh, uh lupita nyong'o as mom
1: she's just always good you know she's just one of those people that you see her performing and and she just she like every emotional beat that she needs to hit she just she's carrying so much in it And so, I mean, she just, she really tapped into the sense of this mom who just was struggling and trying to figure out how to make do. And the scene that really uh, worked for me was when she goes to sell her mother's dress and there's that guy there that she was from the village, you know, they, they had grown up in the same village or something like that. And he was kind of hitting on her like, oh, hey, you're, I heard your husband had died and, and there is a potential better life that she could have here if she connects with this guy and and she still ends up just taking the dress and I was like that is really an interesting uh way to kind of like emotionally play that film that scene yeah um i, I just I really liked it, and it was um a, a very compelling uh, moment there,
0: yeah, I think so too um she uh it was i I'm, again i don 't know exactly when i Sort of found out about Lupita Nyongo. It was definitely, uh, I mean, I, I'd seen her in things like Nonstop. I mean, she was in Nonstop, obviously 12 years a slave. I don't think I made a connection of kind of who she was until uh, Black Panther, obviously. Star Wars, the voice of of Maz Kanata, because there was such controversy around that. And then Us, I think, was the first time I came to the movie knowing and looking forward to her performance specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was, uh, I didn't love that film, but she was great nope. in it. Yep, I totally agree. That's exactly I mean, it. She's always been great. You know, 12 Years a Slave, geez, I mean, yeah, right out of the gate, you can see why she yeah. won an Oscar for that. She was <laughs> so good. Yep. Um, right, right. And, and, you know, it is, it, it, I was a little disappointed that Hollywood, it seemed like, didn't know what to do with her after that and just funneled her into so many voice, voice jobs, you know, with the um, yeah. Star Wars and the Jungle Book. And I mean, she's great in the Jungle Book, but, you know, I really would love to have had more of her. And and until, you know, Queen of Katwe, Black Panther. And then she's been doing a lot more stuff. I didn't see the 355. I just heard such, you know, kind of disappointing things about that. So I didn't bother. But Mm -hmm. um, I just I I want her to be doing more stuff because I always find her compelling
0: that's the funny thing she's such a big performer that it feels like she is doing so much more stuff than she really is like her catalog is not that expansive but everything she's done has been you know in in some way significant can i i have a question star tours the adventures continue yes yeah so i'm looking at her at her thing. Star Tours, the adventures continue. This, is, this has got to be an IMDb error, right? Because Star Tours came out in 2011, but she's credited as being a voice on it. My, my hunch is that it came out and it was completely reprogrammed, but they never changed the entry. It was revoiced when the prequels came out, right? That's got to be it. She wasn't Maz Kanata in 2011.
1: No, I mean they've they've done continued updates yeah. to it, and um, yeah, so I mean she's in one of the more recent updates that they've yeah, done. That's a twenty fifteen or afterward. Yeah. Well, All right. Yeah. You know <laughs> the point that you're bringing up is the fact that Star Tours itself is showing up on IMDb. You know, it's like yeah, uh, it right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, something's wrong. Something's definitely wrong. <laughs> is Back uh, to anyway. the Future the ride on there? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you make me want to check back to the future.
1: I, I mean, I'm sure it is because you know they're actors are right. performing. Yeah, absolutely,
0: so it is 1991. Uh, so well done, and so is the game 30th anniversary edition 2015. So we win IMDb. All right, next uh, is uh, of of course the um, our our principal performer who is in really not very much. Uh, That's uh, Medina Nwanga, who is delightful.
1: She's delightful. And what I loved about Nair is that she wanted to cast real people who had been growing up uh, in Uganda. And so all these kids really came like no acting background, just like Salam Bombay, where she she brought these actors in and was able to kind of like, uh, you know, get them to just deliver these really compelling performances. And it was very exciting. She, uh, Nair found her in a dance class. And she also, um, grew up in, in Katwe, which was interesting. And in fact, what was interesting is that there was the scene after the flood or no, wait, after the eviction, um, uh, where, um, uh, Lupita was walking down the street with her kids with, um, you know, it would have been Fiona and Brian and Benjamin Talking to the, the the kids about kind of getting into the thing, and and Medina had said, "Oh, this is this is easy. You know, I've lived through this. This is my life." And and uh, Martin Cabanza, who plays Brian, also said the same thing. It's just like, "Yeah, we 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 were just evicted," and so for them, like they were living this life where they experienced these things, and and so it was very easy for them, <laughs> sadly, to fit into the characters. And and it hit Lupita at that moment, like how real a lot of this was for these kids. And it's, I mean, it's powerful to hear her talking about, you know, kind of that world that these kids are coming from, the fact that they are really living the the reality that we're seeing on the film here.
0: Well, and that is jarring. When you go to Medina Nwonga's, um page on IMDb and you see this uh, event photo of her in a a beautiful white ball gown with a you know a little clutch and big earrings and jewelry and think about where she came from and and you know how she landed there this is the story right her cultural shock is the story of this uh of the movie we just watched and and i can't help but look at her and think of the the sort of weight of that transposition of of what she's experiencing um i would love to see her in more things i hope she finds a way to continue to to act uh and is continually cast i think she is she has a, a subdued performance uh, and uh i she is just um you know talk about a slow burn uh up into that third act when she kind of comes out of her shell as as the entitled brat um you know she's it, just watching her learn to play chess i could do that all day
1: well and it's great seeing her like when she's um in in the house and you know she's like got her eyes closed and is just like playing the game in her head and stuff like she yeah. <laughs> she carries that really well you know an interesting an interesting story is while they were filming this David Oyelowo took her and some of the other kids to go see jurassic world and uh <laughs> she had never seen a movie before and she asked him is that what we are doing <laughs> <laughs> and queen of Katway was the only the second movie that she ever ended up seeing which is just wow crazy just crazy yeah wow that's lovely it speaks to the world that these kids you know came from yeah so yeah very interesting
0: Okay, what else do you want to talk about?
1: I think that the look of the film I think everything um works really well in context of the story. And honestly and, and you know I mean I heard the production designer talking about it the fact that you know they were filming in this real place like you don't have to do a lot like the colors are already there this world is already there these locations are there. It just all feels very real. And so I, I think that the the filmmakers, to a certain extent, um, just set out to do what they could to capture this world as realistically as possible. And I think they did that. In fact, uh, Nair had uh, she ended up kind of coming to this. I think that she had done a documentary about uh, Katende before this. And that kind of like, you know, she learned a little bit about that from the process of kind of working with him. Again, she also lived in Uganda, and so was more familiar with the story and i I find that really interesting that that she was there she was of this world too and and just really felt connected to it and I felt like, yes, it's Disney, yes, it's a fairly safe biopic, but they found the team to to bring it to life that really just made it um, as full of heart and just made it feel as real as possible I, I was really happy with the the way that they ended up putting it together
0: you mentioned that you noticed some uh, thematic ties between uh, this and Salam bombay um, so Salam bombay uh, how do you characterize this as a Mira Nair film
1: regardless of whether it's a more realistic kind of uh realistic. they're both fairly realistic whether it's a more grim depiction of life on the streets of the slums in in mumbai or in this case uh, a a kind of a a, a, str- a chance for escape from the slums in in katwe i think that nair does a, a solid job of of capturing real life in these places where it's just not what we're used to seeing in our own lives that we're living over here in the States. And and she captures it in a way where it, it, it feels authentic and I buy into the world and I connect with the characters. And so I think Nair really has that sense, that documentary sense of finding connection with these people. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think it's funny
0: I, uh, that uh, Salam Bombay, I think, would have ended up like Queen of Cotway if Disney had produced it. Like, I think, I don't think we would have had quite such a grim ending, uh, on, on that movie. And th- so these are sort of spiritual bookends. Um, but they, they do have a, a very similar feel, tone, texture, the, the experience on the street. It doesn't necessarily make, um, you know, watching these kids, these families on the street, going through the eviction, any, you know, any less difficult because it's told through a Disney lens. It's still hard. It's just hard. And I think Nair has a, a real sense of of, you know,
1: capturing that experience. And she had to push to film in Uganda. Like they, that was not, disney's or the or the you know producer's initial intent but she really pushed to to capture that real world and i don't think uh if it had been in someone else's hands i don't think we would have had something that felt as authentic as we ended up getting here it would have felt a lot more sanitized like just seeing the piles of of trash that make up you know some of the roadways that we get in this it just is like that's that's life here it's it's pretty uh um pretty difficult but um everybody i mean it's 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 life and they're just trucking along and making a living here yep and it's and again casting real kids casting real people in these roles it just it it lends to this sense of sense of authenticity
0: uh i i got nothing else all right do you got anything else no
1: i or let's let's keep all trucking right. so we will be right back but first our credits
0: The next reel is a production of True Story FM Engineering by Andy Nelson, music by Dialgo, Oriel Novella, and Eli Catlin. Andy usually finds the stats for the awards and numbers at d-numbers.com, boxofficemojo.com, imdb.com, and wikipedia.org. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for this show. All right. How'd it do at award season, Andy?
1: Yeah, it did okay for itself. Uh, three wins, 26 other nominations. So it got a lot of recognition. It just didn't get as many wins. At the African Movie Academy Awards, Medina Nalwanga no won Best Young-Promising Actor. Uh, David Oyelowo was nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role. And Lapita Nyong'o was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Neither of them ended up winning. IMDb weirdly does not say who did win. <laughs> All I know is that Medina... <laughs> did win Best Young slash Promising Actor. Um, Over at the Black Reel Awards, Medina was nominated for Outstanding Actress, Lupita was nominated for Outstanding Supporting Actress, and the song, Back to Life, uh, Alicia Keys' song, that isn't as good as uh, its spicy song that we have at the end credits, was nominated (laughs) for uh, the Black Reel Awards, but they didn't end up taking any of those. Let's see, Ruth Nega won um, Outstanding Actress for Loving, and the song was uh I'm Still Here from the Dap Kings, uh, or by the Dap Kings from Miss Sharon Jones, and Viola Davis won for Fences. Yeah, that's a that's a mm-hmm. a, a tough, a tough one, one, I suppose, uh to do that. And then at the Image Awards, the NAACP Image Awards, Medina was nominated but lost to Taraji P. Henson for Hidden Figures. Uh Mira Nair was nominated for Best Director, but lost to Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. Uh, Same thing with David Iillowo, who lost to Mahershala Ali for Moonlight, and uh, Lupita Nyong'o lost to Viola Davis, a standing supporting actress, for Fences. So it was a good year, and uh, there were a lot of strong performances, and uh, so it didn't end up taking as many. But uh, still, just the fact that it got the recognition, I suppose, shows the support for the film.
0: How about the box office? Did it make any money?
1: Well, Nair had a budget of $15 million to tell her chess biopic, which is just over $16 million in today's dollars. The movie opened Limited September 23, 2016, opposite the Magnificent Seven remake and Storks. It started in 25th place, but the following week when Disney kicked the screen count up by nearly 2,000 more screens, it moved up to 7th place. It did okay for itself, but it did fall out of the top 20 after just five weeks. The film went on to earn $8.9 million domestically and $1.5 million internationally for a total gross of $11.1 million in today's dollars. That unfortunately lands the film with an adjusted loss per finished minute of just under $40,000. Perhaps that's why Nair has had a tough time getting her next project off the ground.
0: That's just, it's just sad. I can kind of feel like I get it but it's just sad.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's frustrating. This is the sort of film that I suppose again it's probably just that that biopic territory that feels I, you know, I suppose I didn't watch it in theaters because when I yeah. watch the trailer, it feels like a TV movie sort of biopic sort of thing. You know, it doesn't strike me as something that I get, need to go see in the theaters. And I think that's probably where a lot of people landed. And I kind of wish that I had taken the kids to see it now when it came out, because uh, I think that we all would have really enjoyed seeing it on the big screen. Absolutely. So,
0: well, that's uh yeah, I, that's it. I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we got it in the catalog and uh I it's a it's a great little family film.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely one to check out. And uh, you know, the fact that it's on Disney Plus makes it very easy to to watch and rewatch. That's right. All right, we'll be right back for our ratings, but first, here's the trailer for next week's movie kicking off a new series, Mads and Suzanne. We're looking at uh Suzanne Beer's film Open Hearts.
2: Okay din er ring, men uh, du kan gå og finde hvis du vil gifte dig med mig. Åh gud, åh gud, gud! Det er jo min kone, det er jo I'm going to go Jeg vil ind Jeg er bange for, at jeg er meget All
0: right, Andy, not sure så Letterboxd.com. How are you going to handle your stars?
1: I think for this one, I feel pretty okay. I feel like three and a half is is a pretty good spot to be in for this film. It's, it's a very easygoing, entertaining film. It does feel fairly safe, but I definitely enjoy this story. And if anything, it makes me want more chess projects because I find chess just, I, again, it draws me back into that world where I want to play more chess. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I I'm torn uh, because, as you know, no half stars. And so I'm, I'm right in the same space. You know, if I were, you know, as sloppy and lazy with my stars as you are, I I would probably land at three and a half stars. But I have to choose. Is it a four star? Is it a three star? I think I'm going to land on four stars, which feels a little high, but that extra nudge is for Nalwanga. I think she's just such a treat to watch that uh, I'm going to give her the bump. I'm going to give her the bump and I'll give it a heart for sure. I
1: I was going to say, I assume there's a heart there, too. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah so that puts it at three and three quarters stars uh with a heart so it'll round up to four when we put it on letterboxd and that's where it's going to be so what did you think about queen of kotway we want to know hop into the show talk channel over in our discord community where we will be talking this week about the movie when the movie ends our conversation begins Letterboxd giveth Andy, as letterboxd always doeth.
0: Uh, where? How, what'd you do? What'd you do with yours?
1: I went with a right where I landed, three and a half by Brian Talerico, who said the rare attempt at the inspirational crowd pleaser that doesn't feel manipulative or hollow. It actually inspires and pleases heart. Absolutely, Brian. That's that's where I said so. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to share that one with the world.
0: Uh, I've got one, a four star from Tasha Robinson, uh, who wrote uh, this review, actually a full review for The Verge, which I guess is interesting. I don't usually go to The Verge for movie reviews, but here we go hugely enjoyed this biopic about a Ugandan chess prodigy trying to use her chess skills to break out of the ghetto. This seems to be more closely based on real life than most biopic films, in part because director Nayer founded a, founded a film school in Uganda and knows much more about local life than most Western filmmakers looking at Africa. There is no tokenism here, no great white hope, no American POV characters to translate, just a tremendously talented child star lead and some excellent. Excellent supporting cast recommended from Tasha. I like that. Uh, Getting back to that no great white hope, no tokenism, no American POV, even though I think you could say it does cash in on some, you know, notoriously Western ideology in terms of success and competition, which we didn't really talk about. But I, I think it's I think it's fair.
1: I also like that it does point out, uh, you know, I already mentioned that Mira Nair lives in Uganda. Her husband is, I think, um, Ugandan um, Indian, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did set up a filmmaker's lab, Maisha Film Lab in Kampala. And this is what uh, Wikipedia has to say about that. Since 2005, young directors in East Africa have been trained at this nonprofit facility with the belief that, quote, if we don't tell our stories, no one else will, end quote. I love that, that she's uh, doing that and and finding a way to... Uh, you know, get get people's stories out there. So,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. We do have a number of reviews in Letterbox that highlight this same sentiment. Fiona Mutezi is queen of Katwe, but Lupita Nyong'o is queen of my heart. That's three stars <laughs> from Kathy. And uh, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Audrey with four stars. And we're not casting Lupita Nyong'o in every movie because yes. I agree with that. She needs to be in every movie. Okay. Thanks, Letterboxd.
1: Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better.
0: After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been, hands down, the best podcast partner for us.
1: If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out.
0: Support our show and support your own show. By going to thenextreal.com/slash transistor, start growing your podcast today.